Hi everyone, it's Beth and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today you'll hear the story of two Daughters Without Moms. You'll meet Maddie and Quinn. They were friends in high school and reconnected in their early 20s when they realized that they lost their moms within months of each other. You'll really enjoy our conversation and their sharing about the podcast that they have, the Young and Bereaved podcast. Today is episode number 44. I considered dedicating this episode to my sister, but to be honest, that's still a really hard journey for me. The fall especially is a hard time as this is when they discovered that the cancer had spread to her brain and she had two brain surgeries within a week of each other. So while I'm thinking of my sister constantly this week, we are going to dedicate this episode to the two friends, Maddie and Quinn. As always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. Thanks for listening. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Uh, Today, I am blessed, well, not blessed, that's not the right word to use. I'm blessed with meeting two daughters without moms, but as you might hear them say, it's not fun to be part of the world's shittiest club, (laughs) is what I've heard these two say on their podcast. So uh, just as this is your warning right now that there might be some cursing in this podcast because I want these girls to be comfortable and share how they normally do. So it's not intended to be offensive to anybody, but we're just going to be real because that's how it is on the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today I have with me Quinn and Maddie. Um, They are friends who both have lost their moms, um, and I'm going to let them tell their stories, but they have started a podcast called the Young and Bereaved Podcast, um, and we will talk about that at the end, but I'm going to let them share their stories individually, and then they'll come together because their stories connect with then connecting back as friends, and then the journey that they've had since then, so I will take some notes like I normally do and maybe ask a question or two, but I'm interested in hearing their stories individually and then having them come back together and share that part of the journey with us too. So Maddie and Quinn, welcome. We didn't decide before we started recording here who's going to go first. So I'm not sure who's, have you guys decided who's going to share the mom's rock, story? Paper, scissors? I was going to say thumb word out. So you and I are thinking the same thing. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. Ready? Yes, rock, paper, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Rock, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. Does that mean you're Okay, so I win. Yeah. <laughs> so this is one that I really wish that people would see the video but I never do do anything with the videos we're doing it over zoom people will hear the audio but Quinn's going to go first so she's going to tell us a little bit about herself and then share the story with her mom and then Quinn I'll just let you roll it over to Maddie and then um, then Maddie can share her story so all right take it away sip my water Mm -hmm. all right hello everyone my name is Quinn so excited and so happy to be here with Beth and Maddie. It's already been really, really lovely sitting here and talking. Um, So yeah, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, I lost my mom about 15 months ago. um, And I did make a note how it's funny that I'll measure it now, how we talk about like infant development. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. my grief is 15 months old now. Um, (laughs) So she's walking on her own. Like, I don't know when babies walk, but we're going on 15 months. Um, She passed away on July 16th, 2020, which was two days before my brother's 22nd birthday. Um, You know, super convenient for everyone involved. Um, 
I want to start before there, though, um, because the pandemic actually ended up being kind of in a weird roundabout, roundabout way of a blessing for, for me and my mom and my family, because I was living in New York City at the time, um, just working in a restaurant. So we had all been laid off by then while the pandemic was like really, really ramping up. Um, and I thought that I was going to be able to stick it out and live in the city with my roommate. You know, we obviously had no idea what was actually coming at us. And I was like, yeah, we'll just stay here. Meanwhile, everybody was literally fleeing New York. And I mean, a day or two passed and everything was escalating so quickly that my mom was like, you need to come home. And I was like, you're right. Uh, two days earlier, I was like, I don't think it's that serious. And then it got to a point where I was like, come get me. This is not going to work out. Um, so I got to spend two months with my mom, like as a full grown adult living in a different city. It just, it never would have happened under, under any other circumstance mm -hmm. that I got to spend that time with her. And to be kind of a kid, because I, I was in my, my childhood home with my mom and my dad, and it was like um, having a snow day for two months. Like we just, she was working from home too. She had just started a new job a couple months before that she really liked. Um, and so we would just drink White Claws and do jigsaw puzzles, watch HGTV, um, just like mess around with my cat. Like it was just so, we had so much fun. Like we were just the best at hanging out together. Um, and so while I was home during that time um, in May, she actually had a case of spontaneous internal bleeding um, from her colon. So I remember waking up one morning and she was sort of racing around the house and very, very irritated. Very, she was, I was barely awake, but my dad was wide awake and they were kind of getting very snippy with, with each other. And I had no idea what was happening. And um, I heard her leaving the house and I, I remember him saying, let me come with you. Let me come with you. And her saying, there's nothing you're going to be able to do. Let me just go. So she went, because at that time, nobody was allowed into the hospital unless you actually needed to be in the hospital. Um, so she went by herself and it ended up really being um, extremely dire. It, it was actually a lot worse than we thought it was. She was um, bleeding uncontrollably uh, from a small cut in her colon, which nobody could explain. Um, and she was on blood thinners because she had had heart surgery in 2013. So she was managing her own blood viscosity, uh, by herself. And she was a trained nurse for many, many years. So she really was very, very good at taking care of herself and dosing out her own medication in a responsible way and knowing what she needed to take and when she needed to take it, which is why we were all lulled into a false sense of security. Every time she went into the hospital, because we were used to it. Like I, I was thinking before I got here today about how there are people who have never seen their mother in a hospital bed. And I, I saw her in the hospital all the time growing up. She had cancer when she was 13. So that never came back, but it just caused some, um, lasting issues because she had radiation in like the eighties and it just like ruined her body. Like her teeth were falling out. Her bones were weak. So after she got that open heart surgery, there were just, uh, an insane degree of complications that followed. Um, she had a couple good years um, after the immediate emergency. And then in the last couple of years, her lungs started to fill, the lining of her lungs started to fill up with fluid. And so she had all these mystery issues that nobody could really explain and could only react to. So she was going into the hospital a lot to get her, her lungs drained because they would become so um, compressed with fluid that she wouldn't be able to walk a couple feet without losing her breath. Um, 
So she was already going into the hospital for that. And then the internal bleeding um, happened in May. And that was the night when we, her death was on the table that night. Like it was, my, my aunt came over to our house and I remember us all just huddled together in our, our dining room and our living room, just waiting, just waiting. Cause that was all we could do. We couldn't even go to the hospital. I remember us calling to get answers and updates and um, she ended up coming out of that. Okay. But it was just so terrifying because it happened for no reason, which meant that it could happen again. They, they couldn't tell us why it had actually happened. She had had her issues before, but nothing like that had ever happened to her. So it really, really shook everyone. But um, she was not one to show how shaken she was. Like she just, I, I would never describe her as a, an afraid person. I never saw her fearful, almost never, even though she had every reason in the world to be because she was she had all these issues that nobody could really give her an explanation for. And she was so good at taking care of herself. It just was the most frustrating, futile feeling in the world. So many questions and no answers. Um, so eventually she got um, a, a procedure done so that they could permanently solve the lung filling problem. Um, but it was the kind of thing where it was very invasive, first of all, and they couldn't tell if it had worked until it didn't work. You know what I mean? So like, there was no way for them to know. They just, it was just a waiting game. And we didn't actually know that it had worked until after she died, which was just really devastating. Cause that was like her main issue that was holding her quality of life back. And so she went, underwent this procedure that was supposed to fix it. And it, she just never got the benefits of having that extremely uncomfortable procedure done. Um, it was just, you know, for, for no reason, it felt like that she went through that specific pain. Um, so I ended up going back to New York. Uh, I moved back because I had to move into a new apartment in June, which sounds so foolish knowing what I know now, thinking that I was going to have an entire another year in New York. Um, and I ended up only making it a month before getting a call from my dad that I needed to come home. Um, and there are moments of that time, that month that are so clear and so vivid. And I know exactly where I was standing when he called me. I was at my favorite coffee shop a couple blocks away. And it was just bizarre. Like the world stopped and yet everybody was still going about their business right around me on this beautiful day in Brooklyn. Um, and he told me that it was really, you know, I, I answered the phone and he's gasping for breath. He's sobbing. It's, I know it's bad. And he says, it's really, really bad. Um, don't make plans to come home yet, but be ready. So that struck the fear of God into me. Um, and me and my best friend at the time um, decided to stick together for the day. And we went to see some friends that we hadn't seen since before the pandemic. And I was trying to be cool, you know, I was really happy to see these people and they knew what was happening and what I was in the middle of. And I got a call while we were with them and he said, you need to come home now. Um, and um, that was from the doctor that me and my brother needed to come home. And he put me on speaker and told me to talk to her, but she wasn't conscious at that time. So um, I, I don't know what I said. I none of the last last words that I said to her are sufficient looking back I that's one of my 
I don't, we've talked about like regret and guilt and all that. And I don't, I really don't carry too, too much of that. I really don't, which I feel very lucky for, but I do regret that for somebody who I pride myself on being able to express myself very well, uh, through words. And it just, there was, I couldn't put a sentence together that was appropriate for what was actually happening. I was just describing what was happening in the moment. I was like, um, me, you know, me and Rob, like we're going to come back and, um, you know, I, uh, we're, he's renting a car right now. And so I'm going to go home and pack. And it, it was none of that, like TV show, like final words, like poetic kind of like stuff. Like it was just very, very, um, mundane. It was just anything that was popping into my head. I obviously told her I loved her and told her that I was still an idiot and would have so many questions to ask her and that she couldn't go. Um, cause she was just the person that I asked everything. Cause she just always had the answer. And when she didn't have the answer, she was on the case to help me figure it out. And there's nobody in my life who has that kind of determination to help me problem solve. So I just always knew that I could go to her and she handled all the money and all, you know, just everything that I didn't know how to do as a, a new adult. Um, so, so yeah, we, we got a car, Rob got a car for me. He was a very good friend and, um, you know, just without even, even asking, he was like, I'm getting us a car so that I can drive you back home. Cause I was unable to do that. And so we went back to my apartment and I packed up my stuff and I had this roommate who I really, it wasn't, I, she'll never listen to this, but I was not her biggest fan. And I was like, I know that she's going to be like, try to be like super coddling and nice to me right now. And I just don't need to hear her voice at all. And so I was, I was at that point and I got into the apartment and she tried to talk to me and I was like, Hey, I just really don't need to speak to you right now. Thank you. Um, I need to leave. And that is what's happening. Um, so it was like all these people who are just going about their day and me in full crisis, full alarm mode. Um, let me turn my little page here of notes that I took. <laughs> um, so I remember the ride home. Uh, we drove overnight. It was like a six hour drive. We got pulled over and we got a ticket because he was driving so fast. <laughs> this cop wasn't even wearing a mask at the time. We were like, what are you? It was bizarre, but I, I wasn't even it was such a suspended state of reality that I wasn't even like crying. Like I just, me and Rob were just bullshitting back and forth the way that we usually would and listening to music. I couldn't understand, wrap my head around any degree of what was happening in my life and in my family's life. Um, and I don't, as I was writing down this timeline, because I haven't actually revisited that day in my head for quite a while. Um, I, um, I, re I remember the ride quite vividly, but I don't remember getting home. I have no, I, I have no recollection of that whatsoever, of seeing my dad, of getting a download. Like, did we hug? D like, I have no idea. I don't remember at all. And then it was the next day uh, when my aunt came over and my brother was home from college and we all went and my dad kind of gave us a rundown of what was actually happening because he was the only person who had been allowed into the hospital. And he was the only person who had any information from the doctor. And my dad was, had not been a nurse for many years. Like he was not able to translate it the way that my mom usually was. So we still generally really had no idea what actually was going on. And, and when he told us the worst of it, I was like, well, he doesn't actually know, you know, I, I hope that he's wrong. Like maybe he just misunderstood. Maybe he's not getting the full picture. Um, so he gave us, he sat us all down before we went to the hospital that day. And he said, 
what they're going to do is they're going to give us an option to take her off life support. Um, and then there's going to be an opportunity to see her after as well, if you would like to do that. So he was being a, a decent uh, enough robot of telling us what was happening, um, even though he was like literally on fire. Um, and we went to the hospital and they almost didn't let all of us in because it was COVID times. They only wanted to let two of us in. And my dad would have gotten into like a full on fist fight if that had actually tried to be enforced. So we all got in and they took us to that disgusting little room where they tell people that their loved ones are going to die and offered us ginger ale and pretzels and whatever they do. And the nurse had a, a trainee with her, which like great day to be a trainee. Um, <laughs> and the surgeon or doctor or whatever came in and talked to us and was a real dick about it and just really didn't have any like personal compassion, which, you know, to some degree, it's a surgeon's job to like cut people up every day and they see bereaved family members every day. So I understand if it makes you a bit of a sociopath uh, to a certain degree, but uh, I under like, if that's how you have to protect yourself to do your job, then fine. But he really was not, um, comforting or really with like forthcoming with information really it he didn't really want to answer questions it, it felt like and I didn't have any questions because I didn't even know the first thing to ask the only thing I remember asking is like so is that it like is that is that all you have is that all you can do for us basically and he essentially said yes that um her organs were shutting down and she was not responsive and she hadn't been conscious in a very very long time um, I have no idea how long, maybe like a day, but she had not been awake since she had been to the hospital. Essentially there was, my dad said there was one moment when she was like half awake and asked him for a blanket because she was so cold, but that was the last interaction that anybody really had with her while she was awake. Um, so yeah, just that horrible little room, um, everybody just doing their jobs and, we went into the room where she was and she was hooked up to a million machines and we laid out a bunch of pictures on her and around the room and I played a song for her because we loved music and she was a person of the arts even though she wasn't an artist or a creative or a musician she was like me like we neither of us were like painters or could really make music in a real way but we were such appreciators of the arts she always took me to musicals we were always going to shows and the symphony and stuff like that um so I made sure that I, I played her a song and um, it's a song that I've only heard once since, and it was the whole music at a dentist's office. And I was like, so I think I'm probably not going to go to this dentist. <laughs> they didn't have space for me anyways, but I was like, that's too, that's too weird. <laughs> um, so yeah. And they gave us the opportunity to, um, see her after they had unhooked her from all the machines. And my dad took them up on that. And I thought that I wanted to as well. Like I thought that I wanted to see her after for some reason I don't know for her more than for me I felt like what would I want and obviously I have no idea what I would want in that situation but I thought that it, maybe I was doing right by her if if I went in one last time and the second I stepped foot in that room I knew I had made the wrong decision I I I knew immediately I stepped I turned around right away um my dad went in he was with her every step of the way he was with her while she died he was the only one in the room because we just couldn't do it um, and 
it was not, it wouldn't have been for her for me to go in there and like be with her body because she wasn't there. I knew, I just knew it. Like I just could feel that she was not in that room anymore. Um, so I, I, I don't know, that was a, a hard decision to have to make. Um, but it was very instinctive once I was actually in the room that I did not need to be there. And I, I did not need to see her like that. And, and that was okay. And that's not something that I really feel guilty about. Cause she would be, <laughs> she would be like, yeah, why the fuck would you want to go and see me like that? Like she would absolutely understand like in a heartbeat. So that's like, I didn't feel like I owed her that in any way. Um, but yeah, it, again, I, I didn't say the right things. Like I just couldn't form a real like impactful poetry statement to leave her with. Like it just was the mundane shit that was happening that day. I told her that me and Rob got pulled over. Like it just, it was none of this big, there was no declaration. All I could say was that I love you. Um, that was all I could say. Like, I just, I, I there's plenty more that I want to say now, but, but that's, that's where I was. I just, my, I was hardly functioning at the time. Um, and I wasn't for a very long time after. And um, we, we left and it was kind of more surreal leaving, um, like just going back to the parking garage and like validating your parking and getting into the, like, it just was like, what are we doing? Like in this new world that doesn't have my mom in it, like, why are we behaving the same way that we were behaving yesterday? And that was the next several I don't know, months, really, I just didn't drop back into my body for a really, really, really long time. Um, and the only time that I was like, grief stricken, like physically overcome with emotion was in like the following two ish weeks where we were preparing for her service. And so I was in charge of like making all the collages and stuff like that. So I was going through pictures I had never even seen of her pictures of her as a kid, as a teenager. And those were obviously pictures that I wanted to ask her about and like hear about what those stories were. And the only reason I was seeing them was because she was dead. So like I could, I would never would have been able to ask her about that. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was hellish. Like it, it, the, the service was nice or whatever. Like she, she always knew she wanted to be cremated because she knew that she was going to die. Like she just knew that she was not going to outlive my dad, even though he told her, like, he told me that he would tell her all the time, you have to die before me. And all of us knew that that was not going to happen because my dad is like the healthiest man alive and is going to live until he's 200 years old. And my mom, like her body just was giving up. Like, I didn't even say what happened the day that she went into the hospital. She had another one of those internal bleeding incidents. Um, she had been out and about with my dad. They were doing DoorDash. She wanted to give that a shot and they were having so much fun. They had like a really nice day doing it. She was super excited about like getting a $10 tip for giving someone Applebee's. Um, and they went to the last house and she told my dad, um, I need you to carry this one into the house. My back, I think my back went out or something like that. And as soon as he got back to the car, which was like a 60 second interval of time, she was like sheet white. She was like, you need to take me to the hospital right now. And she, something had like burst in her back. Like, uh, I still don't know. I still do not know actually what happened, but it was like a vein or an artery or something just started bleeding inside of her. And because she was on blood thinners, 
they couldn't stop it. So like they took her off the blood thinners and then her blood started to clot and her lungs were clotting. And then they put her back on and her hemorrhaging wouldn't stop. So like, essentially it just got to a point where they couldn't find the happy medium of like regular blood flow. And so she was just, she was either bleeding out or she was clotting completely and they couldn't do anything about it. So that that's what happened. It was not even like anything to do with issues that we knew that she had before. It was a brand new problem that she was completely unfamiliar with. And there was just nothing anyone could, could do like to prevent it or to fix it or anything. It, it was just, it was like her body had had enough. That's really what it felt like. Like it was just after the chemo at 13 and everything that her body had been through since the open heart surgery, like her spirit was so vital. Like she was so good at life. Like she just wanted to have fun. She was the best to go on vacation with. She always saved up enough money that we could do whatever we wanted when we were on vacation. She was super, super smart about that kind of thing. Um, but then like very responsible throughout the rest of the year. And we were never rich. We were firmly middle-class, but we never, ever felt like we were missing out on anything. Like she always made sure that she had enough put away for us to be like keeping up with the Joneses or whatever at the middle school that we were going to. Um, so yeah, her, her, her soul was there. Her, her mind was there. Like she was really, really good at, at being alive and being a friend and being a mom. And she was just always the most fun person at a party. And she always made people feel good about themselves. And all my friends liked her. Like she just was the best. Like she really was. And I had only just become an adult. So I had only just realized how lucky I was. And also that she was a person separate from me. Um, and that has been really, really hard actually, um, to know that now and know that I didn't get the time to treat her as a person separate from myself. Um, to give her the things that I should have been giving her to, uh, to understand that she was afraid and she just didn't want me to see it. But I, I'm a grown up now and I feel I should have known, you know, I, I wish that I had known sooner that she needed my support as much as I needed hers. And I didn't, I didn't know that. And that is something that I regret that this, the scales were not weighted evenly. And you know, that's, that's okay to a certain degree. Cause she was my mom and I was her daughter and it was her job to take care of me, but it just sucks that I missed out on the time where we were on an even playing field. And I got to return some of that. I'd never got the chance to give any of that love back to her. I don't know. She knew that I loved her. She knew that like we were, I'm not the kind of person who ever called my mom, my best friend, but she was absolutely one of my best friends. Like and I think I, I just, you know, I, I did take that for granted to a certain degree because she let me, she never, it was never anything that she held over my head. Like she just wanted me to feel that way, to feel taken care of, to feel thought of. And I did. Um, and now that's gone and that sucks ass. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's, that's the, the general shape of the story. And uh, I posted on Instagram as us millennial Gen Zers do um, right after she died, just to let everybody know what had happened, generally speaking, and uh, got a bunch of nice comments and, you know, whatever. And I got a call from Maddie that 
the day after. Uh, and I was sitting in my living room with my dad, like I was like playing Animal Crossing or something. And Maddie called me out of the blue, no heads up, just a cold call, cold call. which was really brave mm-hmm. of you. Um, and we ended up talking for a long time and we just never stopped. Well, I, I remember, um, was that, was that a, like a meaningful segue for me mm-hmm. to start? Okay. Yeah. Um, hi, I'm Maddie. I'm, um, the co-host with Quinn on the young and brief podcast. And yeah, I remember the day that I opened Instagram, which I hadn't been on in a long time. And at the top of my feed was a post that interested me. Uh, and made my heart sink because my good friend Quinn from high school had, was announcing that her mom had passed away. And this message was of interest of me, to me, be, well, first off, because it was obviously a sad uh, post, but also <laughs> because my mom had passed away two months before that. And uh, that was the reason I hadn't been on Instagram it, because my mom died a, a week before Mother's Day. And I was just like, nope, we are going to delete that. We are not going to look at that. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really interesting, um, hearing that story from you in that way. I've, I've heard it in pieces, but to hear it. So, yeah, and I, you know what I mean? I haven't strung it together like to that. string it together like that. And then also to like, not be able to be like, oh, I just want to hug you right now. <laughs> um, but it also interested me because, um, it, it's so unique to like, I feel like it's important to say this because it's the story, but it also like shapes my whole grief experience. And I don't hear people say this a lot when I meet people who, and when I read books about loss, when I meet people who um, have lost someone, they talk a lot about the loss and the circumstances around it. And um, if I read a book, it's like, you know, the the year leading up to losing that person and, and their experience with it. And um, my mom was so private about her illness and her self period. My mom never talked about herself, um, that that really both shapes how I talk about the loss and it shaped what I knew about her sickness prior to losing her. So that's a really important facet because my mom was so private. I didn't even really know what was going on until she passed away. And because of that, I always try to be really respectful of her decision to, you know, kind of keep this, um, keep, you know, just even after, you know, her passing to respect her privacy, but, you know, she had, she had breast cancer and she was sick kind of, from her diagnosis to when she passed away, it was under two years. And um, now in retrospect, having lost her, I look back at that period and see, oh my gosh, she was really sick then. Or, oh my God, she was like probably still sick then. And um, we just, we just didn't talk about it. We just didn't, you know, my mom on purpose, her choice, she wanted to talk about Bake Off. She wanted to talk about my life. She wanted to talk about my job and my crush and, you know, and, and, and uh, this great restaurant we wanted to go to and stuff like that. She did not want to talk about her sickness. And so we didn't. And like I said, that really shapes a lot of my grief because I feel like such an idiot 
looking back now, you know, I'm like, how didn't I see the signs or why didn't I bring it up? Or how didn't I, why didn't I, you know, push her to do this? Or why didn't I say something? Or, you know, why wasn't I more comforting? Why wasn't I home more? Why wasn't I, that tormented me for, and it's still, I mean, I've, I've really, I'm happy to say that I've, and I, I would say that almost to someone who's kind of in that torment that, um, you know, you can come to a place of peace about it. I, when I first lost my mom, I thought I'm going to be plagued with this guilt and pain and, and, uh, just, just feeling like an idiot for not seeing the signs forever. And I'm just going to live in guilt. I always think it's like the worst feeling of grief. Um, and I was like, I'm going to live with this guilt forever. And it's just going to eat away at me all the time, all day, every day. And I really have come to a place of peace with it. But, um, yeah, my mom passed away, uh, May, 2020. So that was about two months into the pandemic and, um, kind of similar to Quinn, like, it just was so weird. Like we weren't, she went to the hospital and we weren't able to go with her. And, um, by the time we, what we realized what was going on, it just, it escalated so quickly that, you know, I felt like on one hand, I I always say like, you know, I thought, okay, my mom's really sick, but we still have years. Oh, okay. Well, we have months. Okay. Um, suddenly like in, in, in hours, it went years, months, weeks, days, minutes. Like it just like shrunk before my eyes. But at the same time, time was so slow. Like those, you know, three days between when I knew she was going to die and when she died lasted forever. I mean, I, I can't make sense of, I mean, I didn't sleep at all. So maybe that's part of it, but my sense of time is so whacked out (laughs) over that whole period. But, um, yeah, I think that's kind of the, the biggest, elements of the whole thing is how little I understood that my mom was totally super sick and was going to die soon. Like I had no clue, um, how that shaped my grief. And then just how quickly it happened when it did happen. I mean, I I didn't know she was going to die. Like, I didn't think that was going to happen. And then once I realized that she was how quickly it all went down, like those are kind of the biggest element that I don't know if no one tells you, but like when someone's going to die, they die really quick. Like it isn't like you, you know, in movies, they you're they're in bed and you're talking to them. And it's like, it's also not really like that. They're like busy dying and that's really exhausting and hard. And so you don't like, you know, get a lot of, well, sometimes, sorry to interrupt, but this just brings up an idea that I think we've spoken about. And also I'm sure they've mentioned it on terrible things for asking. Sometimes you have to wait for death the same way that you have to wait for birth. Yeah. It's something that you're waiting. There's nothing you can do, but wait for it to happen. Yeah. I, yeah, it is kind of like that, but at the same, but you're like trying to make sense of the whole world, like changing around you. And, um, so you're like, yeah, you're like, oh, I don't want them to be in pain anymore. But then you're like, it's just like, it's such a weird, horrible point of view. And I think the, just like, you don't understand what's going on as you're actively going through it. And, um, and then it's like the, they die, like the earth shatters, everything, you know, shatters. And it's like, okay, pick up the pieces. Like that's, that's kind of how it is. So yeah, my mom, I guess I just, I would like to just say that my mom was, an incredible person. She was in, she lived her, her motto was, um, okay. How am I blanking on her motto? She would, she like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> um, a life lived for others is wow. I can't believe I'm, this is Heidi's pissed in her house. house and I'm like, it. I'm, it's like a life lived for others 
is the only life worth living, which I remember I just like had so many problems with that. (laughs) I was like, no, you can like do stuff for yourself too, mom. Like I kind of wish you would do more stuff for yourself. She was always just so busy doing stuff for other people. And that was like in a super like cooking and, and crafting. And, and she was just so such a generous, like crafty, like a real Martha Stewart. Like my mom was like such a real Martha Stewart and, um, or like Ina Garden or, you know, just that kind of, that kind of person and a fantastic cook and a real goofy person. And like I said, like just wanted to be like that up until the very end. Like we just, you know, um, like two days before she passed away, we watched an episode of Bake Off together. Like we just till the very end all while having a glass of wine, like that, that, um, that was, that was Heidi. And yeah, I think really punctuated by the fact that I didn't know, realize how sick she was and that she was going to die and how that has really shaped my grief and, um, the processing of it. So, yeah. uh, Were you able to be, were you guys able to be with her in the hospital? Yeah. Um, yeah, we were able, we, we picked her up and, um, we were able to be with her at the end. So, um, when, when she entered hospice and stuff, but, um, yeah, we, uh, and I remember they were so shocked. I don't know what strings her doctor pulled, but they, they didn't want us to go in together and they let us go in together. And I remember we had some pass and the nurse, I was actually kind of like angry about it. The nurse like came in and was like, can I see your pass? And I was like, Oh, okay. And she was like, I've just never seen one. They don't let anyone in. And I was like, okay, you don't need to like look at like, I've got the golden ticket to the Wonka factory. Like that's like how she treated it. She's like, Whoa, look at your past. And I was like, yeah, okay. You can go. Like, I'm going to have a moment with my dying mom, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, my dad was like, you know, it's really bad because they're letting all of us. I know that's yeah. yeah, That was like that horror, like the COVID, I think about that all the time. Like I, I kept saying to my brother, like you always want more. Like if I think about my mom in every sense, I can think of more and more and more that I want more time with her more days before she passed away, you know, more time. We went to the hospital sooner, more, more, more. And I'm like, you gotta just be grateful for what you had, because especially during those COVID days, when they weren't letting people into the hospital, people were saying goodbye to their loved yeah. ones over FaceTime. Yeah, yeah, it's like, yeah. that's just, that is, yeah, that's the such tragedy. Mm-hmm. Well, I was thinking that when you both said, you know, that it was that, that it was 2020, my sister passed in January of 2020, but that was before oh. COVID hit. She was in intensive care for three weeks and was never alone 24 hours a day for yeah. three weeks. Exactly. And yeah. So I'm glad that you were able to, to both, you know, be mm-hmm. with your parents in the yeah, ways that you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing Quinn, I wanted to say to you is that, you know, you, your mom didn't know to give you this permission, but when my sister because my sister and I lost our mom when I was 13 and she was 16. And then when she, she was diagnosed with cancer in 2010, um, actually today was her diagnosis day. And yeah. And, um, she, she gave her children permission to not watch her die Yeah, because Mm -hmm. she knew what it was like when we watched our mom die. Yeah. So I, I guarantee that your mom would give you that permission to say, you do you and do what works for you, Yeah, you know, thanks. because, um, yeah. And the other thing I just wanted to say to the both of you, because I'm much older and I'm a mom. And if you choose to have children or blessed with children, your whole perspective on this thing is really going to change too, because then you'll understand your mom's shoes. And like, you know, Quinn, your, your things you were saying, but that you wish you 
um, had known sooner that she needed you and stuff like that, you'll be able to understand her mindset as a mom once you experience that for yourself. Um, and that might be the same thing with you, Maddie, that your mom didn't want you to know because it's probably her way of protecting you, you know, um, because it's a lot, a lot to think about. I, that's the one thing I've thought about my mom is I can't imagine her mind like knowing, oh my God, I'm dying of cancer. Oh my God, I'm going to leave my two girls. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I hope that you guys seem really well grounded and that you've worked through a lot of this stuff, but that your mindset will mindset will continue to shift as you, you know, get older and learn these different seasons of your life. So, um, so let's talk about how you guys reconnected then. So uh, Maddie, you called Quinn when you got on Instagram and you got the cold call and then you guys talked for a long time. <laughs> Yeah, we did. We talked for a couple of months before you were like, Hey, I have a crazy idea. Yeah. I have my best ideas on a run on my <laughs> runs. Cause I run without music and without a phone, which is bad. Cause one day I dropped my car keys in the river and I was like, well, that was like last week. Yeah. It was recent. <laughs> by one day. I mean, I recently paid the price, but I run without music. I shouldn't be like, I run alone. Hey guys, everyone just, you know, I run alone, no phone, but, um, I was running and I thought, I, we just, cause we would have these talks and I just was and it like, always felt like this. Yeah. Like it was always so natural. Yeah. Cause we've been friends for, we were friends in high. So we were friends in high school. We were both bench warmers on the field hockey team <laughs> and we both really liked Harry Potter and, um, like nerdy, like yeah. back then it was like hard. It was like hard. You were a hardcore nerd. Oh yeah. If, like now it's like, Oh, you're a cute nerd. It was like, no, we were like losers, but for sure. But, um, so yeah, we no, were, but on your of- first podcast, you said you weren't like the nerds getting shoved into the lockers. Right. Kind of no. You guys were, yeah. <laughs> we just had good taste and high schoolers exactly. couldn't keep up. That's exactly. truly what it was. We had good taste and, and we, we liked were, things. We did have, we were solid enough in our own personalities yeah. that we weren't like bullied. No. Like we weren't pushed around. Yeah. That's great. We knew That's we were great. like, you guys just, you guys should get on this like good book. Like, why aren't you reading? Right. What are you doing in your free time? Yeah. You should be reading these good books. Like, like we're going right. to the midnight screening of Deathly Hallows part two. Yeah, like, yeah. we have a riveting life. <laughs> So, um, we've been really good friends in high school and then I like uh was two years older so I graduated we set you know as it mm-hmm. goes we yeah. you know time and space we didn't speak and then I saw this Instagram post we re- re- reconnected re- 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 uh, remix uh reconnected <laughs> and I had this idea on a run that I we should just like record these conversations we have because we had never heard anyone our age speaking about death in the way that we were speaking about. Yeah. And that's all we wanted to hear. Yeah. Was this kind of like more casual, like can make a like, Oh yeah. Well, sorry. That's my dead mom's like sort of like gallows humor approach to. And letting people who aren't in our situation, like kind of be voyeuristic in a way that but yeah but that is helpful like yeah that allows them to hear people speaking about death without being choked up a hundred percent of the time and like I just the way that I have uh grieved is not what I expected like it's just not what they show in the movies or the tv shows like it, it's a lot of the time I'm just going about my life like it's you just life happens so fast. Everybody goes back to their lives so fast. And that's what it is. Like that's, you know, no shame, but there are, there are 
there, I don't like break down and cry every single day. Like it's not, and I feel guilty about that. Like I needed to, I needed validation from, from like you and from an audience of people, like that I wasn't crazy, that I wasn't cold hearted. Well, it also was like, we wanted to record it for that reason that my grief was like more traditional in the sense that I was just like a wreck for a long, long time. And we were like, that's so weird that we're so different in our grief. Like we're similar ages. We lost our mom two months apart and we're processing it so differently. Like people should see that. And, and especially both people going through it who didn't want to feel crazy, but then also like our friends, like I said, who were like, had no clue right. what we were going through when we were like, y'all should listen to this A, because it's going to happen to you. But B, it's because... like a manual of how to speak yeah, to us. It's like, I don't know. People like were afraid of us. I feel like after our mom died, because we were, I was 26. Were you 24 when your mom 25. died? You're 25. And people on for somehow, even though I don't think it's that young, we're just like, whoa, oh my God, they've lost some, they're bereaved. Like I must shut down around them, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. no, don't just treat us like, you know, people bring them mm-hmm. up if you want. People needed to see that, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we tossed around the idea for a while and started recording a hot six months later. <laughs> we talked as about we it, do. as we good. Mm-hmm. We got it. We pulled it together in six months. Good for us. And um, yeah, so now we have the pod. Yeah, it's been really awesome. Like actually getting feedback from real people out there listening yeah. to it. Yeah. I'm sure you understand that. <laughs> I do. I do. I was ready to give up social media completely. And I started with the Daughters Without Moms just on Facebook and Instagram like last October and then started with the podcast in January because you know my generation and the whole online thing like I, I've just never been a real big fan because I enjoy real connection yeah, but mm-hmm. in-person connection not real connection because I have experienced real connection online like it has been mm-hmm. crazy the connection that I feel to people that I have never met in person um and it has been I so one thing I wanted to ask you guys is how has this how has it been doing the podcast and having the conversations and talking about the things with your own grief journey. I mean, we've had, we have made it very clear that we are not professionals. Like we're not here to give professional advice to anybody who's going through the same thing, but that we're just here to be a sounding board. Like anybody can slide into our DMS and have a conversation with us. And people do email us about specific topics. Um, that we'll talk about on the podcast and like Maddie had a really great back and forth with one of our listeners about dreams. And, um, it, it is really awesome to be able to connect with people on a very organic level. And then there are people in my life who I didn't know had uh, any ounce of like grieving in their lives who have reached out to me about having lost a grandparent that they were super close to or an aunt or an uncle and still being able to relate to what we were saying. So it makes me feel I don't know. It's like what we're doing is kind of important. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? I think, um, yeah, I like, I like having it out there for like other people. Cause podcasts were so helpful to me in the beginning. I just wanted, all I wanted to hear was someone talk about something bad that happened to them so that I didn't feel alone. Yeah. And that's all I did. That's you, you got me into terrible. Thanks for asking. Yeah. And I listened to every single episode while playing animal crossing so much so that when I listen to terrible things for asking the opening theme, yeah. it makes me feel like I'm playing animal. Yeah. Crossing. That brings me back to a dark place. It's the like opening Pavlovian. Theme for sure. no. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. And then also this is actually happening was a really, really good one too. Cause I was just, okay. I wanted to hear anybody whose life was shittier than mine in any way. And it really did help. It does help <laughs> to just not feel alone. Cause I, I knew 
I needed to see that bad things could happen in your life and you could keep living. Yes. Cause I was like, not sure that I was going to have a life anymore. I was like, oh no, I'm just going to feel horrible all the time. And I have to be alive for like 60 more years. This is terrible. Like, but mm -hmm. it, I just thought, oh wait, no, people go through things like people go through things. And that's what podcasting specifically, because I could just sit there and listen, you know, I didn't have to watch. I didn't have to participate. Mm -hmm. I needed to not have to participate, but I could just listen and be like, okay, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that I wanted the, it out there for. And I think that, that we noticed that a lot of the podcasts we were listening to were coming from a point of view that wasn't ours, uh, specifically age wise. So yeah. there was like some degree of irreverence that was missing. Um, I did need to hear a lot of what I was hearing in like the very mm -hmm. serious toned kind yeah. of shows, but I wanted something that I could like occasionally laugh at, you yeah. know, like to add some levity to the conversation. So I think that we picked up on that kind of gap that existed and we wanted to fill it for people our age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I guess what we're trying to say is the show is off the cuff. We just kind of, <laughs> if we haven't made that clear, we kind of just riff on being bereaved for 30 minutes and occasionally mm -hmm. cry. But yeah, it's just like the real conversations we were having as friends who joked right. a lot, we were super sarcastic before and we're still like that, but now it's just a bit darker and yeah. Um, yeah. And it was helpful. Right. And you guys were also very real. I mean, so you're just coming back from a hiatus that you took for a while over the summer. Yeah. So your last, your last episode that I listened to today was from July and it said, I think the title of it is it, we are not well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yep. And so, you know, you, you do have very real and open conversations mm -hmm. about the different, you know, it's like a, I always think about it as like the ocean tides, things are going yep. in and coming out. Sometimes the waves are bigger. Sometimes <laughs> there's a nor'easter, you know, um, <laughs> <laughs> True. yeah yeah and sometimes it's a bright sunny calm day um mm -hmm. but I loved you know in that podcast you guys were just kind of sitting in your grief together yeah and yeah. you know we talked before we started recording about how that like grief is just humanity like we are all mm -hmm. going to experience loss where there's it's the only other thing guaranteed besides taxes is death <laughs> it's going to happen you know um, but we don't really do a great job of that, just sitting in the grief, either as a griever a lot of times or as the person supporting the griever. Yeah. And um, you guys did, you know, a lot of, I was listening to it today and you're just comfortable in your silence with each other because you're just like, <gasps> I think one of you said, it might just be 15 minutes of sighing. <laughs> we might just sigh for 15 minutes. Um, it is nice to be with someone who doesn't feel like they have to say anything at all too. Right. Or make up for it. Like the, yeah. I think that was the biggest thing was I've told to friends even. I'm like, when someone tells you something bad happens, just validate it. Don't try and fix it. We have such a mm -hmm. fix it society and you ain't going to fix this one. It's my mom and she's gone. So just be like, yeah, that's bad. So it's nice on the podcast to like say something terrible or hear, you know, your friend and just go, yeah. Mm -hmm, or we'll just so be like, bad. holy shit, man. Yeah. That was bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, mm, yes. Good point. Good point. We're like, yeah, it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us about season two, you're coming back. Um, so we are recording this on October 26th. You guys are coming back on Monday. Is that what? Right? Yep, November yes. 2nd. Yeah. Our our season two. Our return. Our return. Um, we're in different places. Yeah. Mentally, emotionally. Um, and we're both doing different things than we were. 
when we were recording season right. one. Um, so I think that we're coming back with a different perspective or a more evolved perspective, maybe. Um, I know for me, a lot of the relationships in my life have shifted. Um, the roles that I play in my family have shifted. So um, I think that when we first started, I was really excited about the idea because there's just no, it's just like endless content because we're in it. Like it's just going to keep evolving yeah. in different ways. And so now we're in sort of this different chapter or different tone. I think what really, I, I see it a lot um, at the, the first season was really the end of year one for both of us. Mm -hmm. And that was still a lot of pontificating about just the loss and what it meant and like trying to grapple about the scope of it and talking about that a lot. And now I feel a lot of my grief is like working it into my daily life, having a life outside of it where the grief isn't forefront all the time mm -hmm. as it was year one. It's just like in front of your face, 24 hours right. a day. And now trying to be like, I'm going to live a life, especially because we are still young and our moms wouldn't want us to have this in front of our face 20. We, they, I know my mom would want, and I'm sure it's with your mom, like to live a life, but the knowledge that the grief is so big and it's still fresh and we got to find a way. So a lot of, I feel like the conversations we have, mm -hmm. And maybe in this next season, we'll be talking about fitting the grief into. Yeah, I think that that describes it well, because the way that I've been thinking about it lately is that year one is about under or facing the loss of a person, of a human being. And for me, year two has been about facing the loss of all the things that she did for me mm -hmm. and all of the like smaller, oh, right. like crevices in my life of like, she used to send me um, care packages of like, um, essential stuff like makeup remover, cotton swabs, um, like toothpaste, whatever, because she knew that I refused to buy yeah. basic necessities for myself. I was like, I don't want to spend money on cotton pads. Right. So she would send them to me like once every couple months, or she'd send me 50 bucks to go get dinner with a friend. And that just, there, there's just no, like nobody else in my life thinks of me that way and can fill that gap. It's just gone. And yeah. so that's now that I am sort of living an actual life again, and I'm out of my house with my dad, like I'm in, in an apartment and trying to figure out where to go from here. Those losses are so much more obvious now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you guys are planning to talk about this, but I told, mentioned that I have a niece uh, that's 26. And one of the things she's really struggled with is the whole dynamic of the roles in the family now that mom's not there so it's she's brutal. yes so if you guys can talk about that sometime like she's kind of tried to step into the mom role with her yeah. brother and her we should do that that should yeah. be our next episode what what's it's your a, niece's name jennifer jenna jennifer yeah i uh, that's that's a great point because right? your my whole, whole life is different i live at home now it's defined the last year and three months of my life yeah is the changing roles and trying to figure out how to help my dad my grieving experience has been all about my dad it's it has been 100 yeah. my dad and how he's feeling and but how i can you were it. 13 when you lost your mom so it would i don't know i you didn't could speak yeah. on that it wouldn't right. have been like people i do the laundry now you know it's like it's it's weird right right yeah, it's different when you're in that, in that, and and that you're an adult, but you're still the daughter, Ugh, you yeah. know, um, and you feel this necessity to try to 
keep be the glue that still holds everybody yep. together because that's yeah. what mom did you know especially like, as a woman because it's like there are especially things, as the only woman the left only in our woman where yeah. it's like there's stuff that needs to be done that doesn't show up on my dad's radar so if, yeah. if it, and my brother and if we want to get it done I have to do it because it wouldn't even occur to them to do it you know yeah. like it just doesn't even pro, like it my dad that like so does, my dad doesn't even know what to do Right. So make up for my mom, you right. know, so if, if someone's going to step up, it has to be. I me. used to get so like viscerally angry to my core when I would go to wash the dishes or put the dishes away because whenever my dad would attempt to wash the dishes, they were always still covered in food and grease and oh oil. Like I, I was like furious. My dad doesn't I, even, it was rage. my dad doesn't even know what isn't dishwasher safe. I'm like, don't put that in there. That was, uh, we got that on vacation in Portugal. Why <laughs> would you put that in the dishwasher? That is hand painted. Don't you know? <laughs> don't you know? They don't know. They don't they know. Don't no. They don't care either. Yeah, I'm like, I'm getting angry. Oh my God. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's such a great point because it is so true, especially that new life. And it's like, it's well, been my biggest issue. I'm happy to talk at length about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Was my, my niece, my niece actually, she's on an episode where she shared about like my sister was really her decision maker. Like she, mm, so she true. came to, she came to Amy for everything. Yep. And now she's like, like, she'll still be at Marshall's and be like, uh, I want to FaceTime mom to see if yes. I should buy the sweater. Yep. Yeah. 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 So so I used she to shared... FaceTime my mom after every haircut because they were always bad and we would always laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and now I can't do that anymore. And that's that first haircut really sucked. Mm -hmm. I, my mom was so creative. And so I always like when I, I was, a, I worked as a writer and like, I just like where I worked in a creative space. And so bouncing ideas off of her, mm -hmm. it's just like, there's no one I can yeah. do that with who also knows me and my skill right. set. And like, it's just such a void now to like, not have that person. Nobody I've only come to this like big realization in the last week or so, which is just the version of us that our moms knew is now dead. Oh God. Whoa. Why are you going <laughs> to hit me with that right now? God. Whoa. Yeah. Identity loss is a huge thing because it, yeah. Best version of me. See, and I don't version see, I feel the opposite. I feel like I like this like woke to life version of myself so much more than the naive one. And that's why I got so mad. I like for a long time, like hated that girl that my mom mm. knew because I oh. was like, she is so self-centered. Okay. She doesn't, I know it was that's so, so mean. it's so mean. I was so <laughs> mean to my past self because I was like, why weren't you home more? Like, mm. why weren't you doing that? She had no clue. She had no clue about life. And it, and it, um, I like, would give anything to bring my mom back, but like, would I have to be my old self if I did? Right. It's, it's, it's a hard one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I don't want to be that person anymore also. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's you know, yeah. a conundrum. Luckily we haven't found a way to resurrect people. So I haven't, <laughs> I haven't uh, had to put that decision to the test yet. Right. Right. One thing I would encourage both you to is like, it's, I think it's easy to try to look back at yourself with your new brain and right. new mm -hmm. lenses that you see life through now. Yeah. yeah. But you didn't know then what you know now. Right. I know. Right? It's, it's you just didn't. so hard. You to were doing the best you could. Now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hindsight's you always every day, but you can't like someone's dying. Like right. it's, you got to go about your, and I know that. And I, 
I, I haven't felt that way. I, I am a little angry at my past self because I didn't support my mom as much as I should have. And I just got so used to her being in the hospital that I always assumed that everything was going to be okay. Um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I just didn't know. I just, I didn't know. And that's okay. Right. You were doing think, the best you could at that time. Yeah. That took me a really long time to come to. And that's why I, I, and I speak openly about that because like the guilt and the um, person and the, how didn't I see it was like the worst part yeah. of the first year. I yeah. just, I truly hated that my past self, yeah. like I couldn't believe what she didn't know. And yeah. um, it took a long time to make peace with that. Mm-hmm. I know my dad is still struggles with that. Cause he's, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the one who spent every day with her. What and- grief is though. Like, I feel yeah. like for so many people, that's such a big part of it. But I feel like a lot of people don't talk about it and don't right. share it and right. that's so, the, and so then the shame and the, the guilt and, yeah right yeah. you never get mm-hmm. to put yourself in the shoes of somebody who's about to lose their parent because you just you don't even allow yourself to think about it mm-hmm. um and that does everybody a disservice it does yourself and and your mom and like it just we we have been failed by the society that we were brought up in essentially but it really struck me when you mentioned that your sister gave her kids the permission mm-hmm. to um not be there because I'm going through life and that's part of the reason I wouldn't want to be that old person is uh you have this new your sister had this perspective because um she'd experienced loss mm-hmm. and it's like I will now have that perspective as I move through life and if I have another person who gets sick I will approach it so differently oh my god yeah um and even my own is it mortality or morality morality is mortality 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 is my my goodness (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably approach both of them differently honestly though if we're gonna gonna (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. yeah 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 so it I just think sucks that, that our mom was our the first one like yeah. we never got a trial run and you get it first one worst one like yeah yeah oh, for sure the big yeah. one first but I didn't yeah. know <laughs> I didn't I was know ready. I wasn't ready mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I hear you um so we are going to move into a little portion where we're going to do a little astrology stuff that Quinn's going to do with me but I I usually end you know a podcast with like a certain do you guys have a certain tip you want to share or advice that you would give to others you know I mean I think you speak so well to to people who are you know in your age group um on the podcast and stuff but I didn't know if you had anything specific that you wanted to share. I do have a thought about this and it is kind of what we were just talking about. Um, When it comes to regret for me and those, all those ugly feelings, um, my mom knew that she did not have a long, healthy life ahead of her. Um, She knew that and she spoke openly about it. Um, it, She wasn't private like Heidi Mm -hmm. was. Like my mom was very open about what was happening. Um, She wasn't open about being afraid, but the facts were always there. Um, And so there, over the years, there were multiple times where she would talk about her death in in an actual like logistical way and about her funeral and about what she wanted and what she didn't want. And I just never allowed her to do that. I never asked her questions. I never went any further than her, um, her opening the conversation because I was like, you cannot leave me with my father. Like you, and she was like, I know, but I was like, you, I'm not, we can't even talk about, I don't even want to talk about this with you. Like, why would I want to have this conversation? Cause I was, you know, I was in my twenties and 
it just wasn't a reality to me that that was actually going to happen where for her, it was an absolute, it, it was a fact. Mm. It was a reality. And she knew so much more about her body than we did, obviously. Um, and, and so I just, I wish that I had allowed her to talk to me about her death because I'm certain that she was afraid just beyond even wanting me to know about what she wanted. I know that she wanted to talk about it and I didn't let her do that. And I really, really, really regret that. Um, and that comes from our society and American culture, not allowing us to be open about death and about grieving. And so, you know, it's, it's a product of how I was brought up, but my advice is to be able to talk to your loved ones about their death. And especially if they have any ailments or any degree of sickness, like allow yourself to become comfortable with that conversation, allow yourself to have the conversation. Like Mm -hmm. you're just going to be able to walk away with much less guilt, much less regret, knowing that you were able to have an open heart and allow this person to say, I am dying and this is how I feel about it. Mm. I I wish so hard that I had allowed my mother to do that. And we could have had an actual conversation because the only, the only time she ever, I ever speak to her in my dreams is when I ask her, what do you want me to know now that you're gone? That's the only thing I ever ask her and she's never able to answer. So I just wish that I had been able to ask her like, what's your advice for me doing this stupid life without you? Because she would have had an answer. And now I can't ask. Mm-hmm. Somebody once said um, to get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Yeah. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. It's never yeah. going to be cozy. Yeah. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Maddie, you have anything? Yeah, for sure. Well, first I do. I did look up the quote because my mom is like up there like, are you kidding me? You biffed biffed my motto? Like, So you said a a life lived for others is the only life. I was close. It's only a life lived for others is worth living. Isn't that what I said? I mean, like, I switched a smidge, but so I I just wanted to put that out there. Um, (laughs) I, the tip I guess I just had for grievers the thing that like helped me the most um is I really sat in my grief um I never hid from it I just delved into it deep end felt every aspect of it didn't push it away I was so lucky to be able to do that Mm -hmm. a lot of people have to go back to work a lot of people have kids a lot of have people you know for so many reasons have to kind of shelve it or compartmentalize but I never did that I just fully felt it and I got to know my grief really well. And I think that's ultimately helped me kind of move through it, but, um, that's like a hard thing to do. And, uh, if you want to do that, I do recommend it, but I also think you should get a hobby that involves your hands. I think if you're gonna go through those heavy feelings of grief, um, and, and really sit in them, you should do something with your hands, whether that's gardening for me it was gardening but maybe painting or um the muse muse the music the mu- <laughs> a musical instrument or cross stitching um, cross stitching or like i don't know like swimming laps or jumping doing dives in a pool or just like you know an interesting hobby that keeps you busy because you're going to be thinking about it in the back of your head but if you can do something like motor skill wise yeah. not like something that machinery keeps you in your body yeah keeps mm-hmm. you like I think it's a good way to process it. It's not too, it's a, it's a more digestible way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's great. I think that's great. So I'm going to link you guys's young and bereaved 
podcast in the show notes. You guys have also mentioned several times, terrible thanks for asking. So oh we'll, link, God, yeah. we'll link that in the show notes. Love it. Yes. And we didn't talk about this here, but I heard it in your, in your podcast that I listened to. Um, you guys recommended yoga with Adrian many, many times over. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, yeah, she's the one with the dog Benji. <laughs> and so I looked it up because you talked about it, that she actually has an episode yoga for grief. So we will also link that in the show notes to this as well, because I yeah. think that um, that's a good, a good outlet. And I love, I watched a little bit of it and she's like, grab a cozy blanket and just yeah. be in something comfortable. And I, I don't know who said it. One of you said about her soothing voice and she really just does have such a soothing voice. So look for that information in the show notes. So now we're going to go off topic a little bit and do a little astrology stuff here. So if you're not interested, feel free to leave. But if you have any sort of uh, flexibility in your thought process, I enjoy encourage you to stay because I have no idea what we're going to do. But <laughs> Quinn asked, so this is one thing, Quinn asked what time I was born. And I was like, I have no idea. And this is, this is like, I was telling the girls before we started, like, this is the thing as you become older that you still lose miss not having your mom is that I was like I don't have anybody to ask what time I was born mm-hmm. so I did ask my two aunts but neither one of them knew and they were like look at your birth certificate I'm like I did and it's not on there and I pulled it out again and lo and behold it is there mm-hmm. so we have the information needed she asked for my birth date my time of day time of day of birth and then where I was born remind me of the city Glen Cove New York Glenn. Is that two words? Yep. Mm-hmm. There yep. we go. All right. So yeah. March 16th. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. All right. So I like to do, uh, usually on our podcast, I'll do like a little, what's known as like astro weather, like what's happening in the sky at that very moment, like the themes of what's happening in the week. Um, but I, in the beginning, really focused on our birth charts, which is when you like put in your information on whatever calculator you're using, the circle chart that you get. That's okay. like, what the heck am I looking at? Um, so for you, Beth, that's what essentially we're looking at is that uh-huh. circle with a bunch of pieces of pie. Um, um, she's a cancer rising. Oh my God. <laughs> Emo, like me. Emotional. Really? Cancer moon yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So you're a Pisces sun. Uh, with a cancer rising and a cancer moon. So that oh my is gosh. all water. That's all water signs. So huge propensity for emotion, being able to feel your feelings, especially with a cancer moon. Um, I'm an Aries sun, Libra moon, Taurus rising, and you are I'm a Leo sun and then cancer moon and rising as well. So both Beth and Maddie have cancer risings and cancer moons. Um, the rising sign is the one that you need your birth time for, because it does change minute to minute, the degree of the sign, um, because it's the point of the horizon of the, um, constellation rising on the Eastern horizon at the moment that you're born. And that changes very, very quickly. Whereas the moon changes signs every two and a half days. So you can guess somebody's moon sign within like a two day period. And obviously suns, the sun sign changes every 30 days. So everybody within a 30 day span is going to have the same sun sign. So it actually comes down to the rising sign being the most personal placement of those three, what's called the big three. Um, so having a lot of water energy, that's like, uh, just the, the most like intuitive sort of, uh, inner, inner world feeling like emotional, uh, capability 
uh, of the four elemental signs. Um, Cancer and Cancer moons are known for like being the quote unquote crybabies cry of the Zodiac. Um, but I think the Aries could definitely fit in there too because they're like the first sign and they can be very impulsive and like immature. And I'm an Aries, so I can talk shit if I want to. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, and so what I was interested in and what I'll probably take more of a look at later is um, people who go through similar life events uh, in uh similar um, like time spans often have placements in their chart that are the same or very, very similar. So what I will be looking for is anything in our three charts that lines up together that may make sense for people who um, work in a career uh, based on grief or loss or people who are sort of, you know, more or less destined to experience um, this kind of loss um, because astrology okay. is essentially pattern synthesis. It's just the study of astrological events and how they correspond with things happening on earth. So it's, nobody's claiming that because Saturn is doing what it's doing, it's for, it's making you do a certain thing or it's forcing you it's because, right? Like, it's not like there's this, um, you know, magnetic pull or whatever. And people don't really have, there's the most talented astrologers can't really tell you why it works. They can just prove to you that it does. Like, I can't sit here and, and give you an explanation for why, um, both of you are sitting next to me with a cancer moon and cancer rising, but like, I've seen enough. What does it mean? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen enough of those correspondences and, um, actually I got into it in like November, October of last year of 2020. And I looked at the, what's known as transits. I looked at the transits that I was going through at the time. And there was a very intense Pluto transit happening in my chart and a very intense Uranus transit and the specific, um, descriptions of those transits are known for like losing a family member your entire life like being shaken upside down like to a specific enough degree that I was like okay well I need to get into this a little bit deeper um and that that was enough for me to sort of go from there and I've just really never stopped studying um so yeah I, I don't know I just thought it would be really cool to be able to pull up your chart and compare them two hours and it is because you guys have such a similar configuration yeah we do this mm -hmm. on the podcast a lot and we've also we kind of go a little bit into some like woo wooey stuff and yeah even, like psych we have an episode on psychics and I had a psychic like predict that a tragedy would happen in my life when I was 26 and I was kind of like it you know we did we kind of just dabble in that and it is that kind of like when you've had a big event like this, you know, you can't, there's a lot of things in life you can't explain or you, it's stuff mm -hmm. you have to believe in it. Like it's the word faith for a reason. So it is just kind of, um, interesting pulling it into a grounding way, like with right. planets and, right. and, 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 and it's very mathematical yeah, like, organizing it to your own life. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Astrology is a very logic based practice. Like it's, I really was able to like make flashcards and study it. Like I would for any other topic, whereas other things in like the woo woo realm, like you can't really study how to talk to ghosts or like be psychic or whatever, but like, this was a way that I could connect to some sense of a grander purpose and like yeah. spirituality and like you. a destiny that did that worked for me that mm -hmm. was organized and I could study it um and you've connected more so with like the not studying version of spirituality which I am jealous of but we, we've gone our own paths we've gone our own paths yeah 
Yeah, that was like the kind of interesting thing that as soon as my mom passed away, I could just like feel her everywhere. And it, it was like such a affirming thing that kind of go from like not experiencing that at all to suddenly being like there's something out there guys I swear <laughs> there's something out there so mm-hmm. yeah and we talk about that yeah. a lot and I mean that's like why our podcast well that's why we thought it was such a good idea because everything that you have experienced I've pretty much experienced the opposite like yeah yeah when it, for sure like I don't feel my mom that way like I do not feel her around me I have never felt her presence except for maybe one time um And that's been extremely frustrating because I do consider myself to be like a very intuitive, um, I don't know, emotionally in tune kind of person. And I did have a very strong connection with her. So I'm like, hello, like, where are you? (laughs) I I thought that I'd be having all these magical experiences or the wind or whatever, but yeah, I haven't had any of that. My candles are lit. I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) Where are you at? Oh, jeez. All right. Well, once you do the analysis and stuff, if we need to get back together, we can talk about that. Um, yeah, because we get back any... together. This yeah. is so fun. It yeah. was so fun. It was so fun. So with the water energy, I was thinking about how I, I always think about grief as the tide in the ocean. Oh yeah. my! Look at that. That's what right cancer there. rules. I mean, you are a child of the moon. The moon yeah. is your ruling planet, uh, and mm. it's in Cancer, which is where it's most comfortable. Cancer is ruled by the moon and only by the moon. Most planets rule two signs and it's just cancer in the moon. So having a cancer moon in your first house of like identity and selfhood, that's on your sleeve. Like that is something that you really have access to. Um, and you might pay attention to when you see the moon now. So you and yeah. I both have cancer moon and or, or yeah, moon and rising and all like, when I see the moon, I'm like, Hey, what's up? Like, you know what I mean? Like I like, it catches my eye and I'm like, what are, what's, what do you have to tell me? Like Mm. what's going on right now? Like Like for me, uh, my ruling planet is Venus because I'm a Taurus rising and Venus rules Taurus and Libra. So when I see Venus as like a morning star in the sky, I'm like, what's up, baby. Yeah. Yeah. Let's have a good day today. Let's do it. Oh, this has been great. Well, awesome. Well, thank you both so much for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And everybody go check out, uh, the young and bereaved and we're looking forward to season two. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're welcome. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.